We have the whole history of the wildcat banking period in the US, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. Sure. All these unregulated yeah. banks that were issuing currency that w- wasn't backed. It seems very, very similar to what is happening now. And what happened is a lot of people, a lot of regular people lost their life savings. And I worry, this is why I'm passionate about this. I worry that this is going to be the yeah. thing that causes yeah. the next recession is a crypto crash. You're listening to a bonus episode of the Earmark podcast. Regular listeners know that most of our episodes are available for CPE credit on the Earmark CPE app. This one is a bit short, so we're not going to make it into a course right away. However, we might combine it with a related episode at some point in the future to make a CPE course, but no guarantees. In the meantime, download the Earmark app and check out our many free CPE podcast courses. And keep on listening to this episode. It's a great interview with Dr. Blockchain, more commonly known as Dr. Sean Stein-Smith, CPA and assistant professor in the business and economics department at Lehman College, and one of the most well-known CPA crypto experts. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Earmark Accounting Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Oliver, CPA, and I am joined today by my friend, Dr. Sean Stein-Smith, CPA. Thank you so much for joining me, Sean. How's it going, Blake? Happy to be on. I apologize. Dr. Sean. Dr. Sean. There we go. (laughs) Close enough, right? (laughs) Hey, it's great to talk to you. You are the blockchain expert, crypto expert that I tend to think of in our profession. And I try to be. Thank you. I'm excited to have you back because you know we we on the cloud accounting podcast have been talking a lot about cryptocurrency and stable coins uh, and you know I, I think people know that I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to cryptocurrencies I like to mm-hmm. say I'm a blockchain enthusiast I love blockchain I love the concept of it but I find so much of what's going on in the crypto world to be very troubling and especially stable coins because when I dig into this I find they aren't so stable. In fact, there's really nothing backing them in the case of Tether, for instance. So I'd love to dig in with you on, on that topic. And um, may, maybe, the, maybe the theme for this episode is like, can Dr. Sean convince Blake to be a crypto lover? I would love it. What do you say? Love that. <laughs> no, and uh, obviously, you know, there, there is a, a ton going on right now out there with everything crypto related blockchain related it's a stable coin conversations are probably the the hottest topic out there outside of nfts right which are a whole other ball of wax but in terms of the you know concerns that you and uh, david raised on your last episode which which i tuned into thoroughly enjoyed hearing the two uh of you go at it you know i mean there are some fundamental issues out there i'm not here to argue that every single stable coin is perfect or tether is perfect. But I also do want to sort of push back a little bit on this argument or this idea that we have these coins called stable coins that aren't backed by anything. So on so, the one hand, so let's, the uh, let's, let's US go back for a second and isn't backed by anything either. I, I, yeah, sure, sure. Yes. Sorry, I just want to go back for a second for our listeners who like didn't hear that sure. episode. Let's just gotcha. like lay the groundwork. So We've got Bitcoin, the dominant cryptocurrency. We've got Ethereum, a little bit smaller. And then we've got a zillion other coins kind of filling out the market cap of crypto. And like the, the market cap of the crypto economy is, Sean, do you have like a number off the top of your head? I know Bitcoin's like in the sure. 600. Sure. So the yeah. whole, 
Okay, so the whole asset class is over $2.3 trillion right now. And Bitcoin is the biggest. What's what's Bitcoin at? Mm-hmm. I think that roughly it's about half of the total market cap. Top okay. of my head. So we have pure cryptocurrencies, and then we have the stable coins. And stable coins yep. are theoretically linked to the dollar one-to-one. And so stable coins have been really important would, I mean, would you agree that stablecoins are really important to the functioning of crypto markets? I would say that they are important to get more individuals involved, especially in the more current applications like uh, DeFi or NFTs. Yes. Okay. So I've been starting to pay attention to stablecoins because I'm a big you know, proponent of um, you know, a digital dollar. I feel like the government yes. is moving too slowly in this regard and stablecoins are kind of filling that gap. Like it's a great way to allow people to access the benefits of blockchain without the risks of the currency fluctuations that you get, right? Maybe but then correct. I learn, I learn last week, a couple of weeks ago, that the most popular stablecoin by like volume, market cap, Tether, they've never had an audit. The last time any accountant looked at anything that they've put out was September 30th. It wasn't an audit. And Tether's own terms of service state that they do not have to give you dollars in exchange for your Tether. So they say that it's backed one-to-one by the US dollar. They don't guarantee they'll give it to you. And then they don't even have the $80 billion of cash on hand to redeem that Tether. They claim to have it in mostly commercial paper and it's never been audited. Like who knows where this money has gone. It, it, and Tether, as I understand it, is like 12 people in the Caymans or something. And it, if they actually have a billion dollars of assets, they're one of the largest banks in the world. So it just seems kind of crazy to me that we've got this, this stable coin with all of these assets and it's, it looks like a scam to me. Like it, if I, I can't prove it, but it does not look good. And here's the risk, right? Even though Tether is you know, $78 billion market cap, there's like 80 billion of it out there. And that's a fraction of the overall Bitcoin crypto market, as you said, right? Based on that number you gave. Mm-hmm. Correct. 70% of trades for Bitcoin on like the most popular exchanges are, th- are from Tether. So Tether is like, another way to think of it is the bank of crypto, right? So if the bank of crypto has a run on the bank and they don't they don't pay out the tether with US dollars then it doesn't I mean couldn't that cause a massive structural problem? Well, it's it could cause a problem but not probably in the ways that you're thinking about like right because obviously tether it's the biggest one of these stable coins backed on a one-to-one basis by the US dollar which I know is not entirely accurate, right? But that Tether, Circle, and all the other uh, basically top five stable coins have been under pressure and they have been trying to be more transparent as to how their coins are actually backed, right? And they aren't backed 100% by the US dollar. None of them are, right? It's, It's always a combination of US dollar, commercial paper, and other types of instruments at that cash E equivalent level. But but the overall sort of risk here, Blake, isn't really a risk to the overall crypto asset marketplace. It's a risk to this one particular stablecoin. And and to sort of highlight that, right, that yes, that there are 
individuals mainly, right? But institutions who are basically getting into Bitcoin and other crypto via Tether. Sure. But Tether is only one of many stable coins out there. And that as more and more of these types of questions and problems and, and to be transparent, all of these questions about Tether were actually first raised in 2019. I was actually giving a presentation on how to audit crypto on April 26th, 2019, when this headline first broke, right? That there was this gap of $800 million on the books of Tether. And yes, it's absolutely a issue, but over the last two and a half years, Tether under pressure, obviously has been trying to be much more transparent and also has, has served as a real example and blueprint for the other stable coins who have entered into the marketplace after. And to just highlight one, I would say that at least Circle is a you know dollar-based crypto that has really grown incredibly fast and actually has been audited. It was audited, I believe, by Grant Thornton. Thornton. So, yeah. so, so all all of these lessons are being used elsewhere. And if there is an issue with with Tether, then you can always convert the Tether into other crypto anyway. Well, yeah, but you can't convert it into crypt other crypto if people lose confidence in Tether. And this eighty billion dollars of Tether out there, who who is who runs Tether? I mean, I don't know who the individuals are who are in charge of Tether, but I would argue that actually knowing who's in charge of any particular financial instrument isn't really relevant for most investors out there, right? You and I don't know who's in charge of, of our commercial banking system or who's in charge of how our trades are actually settled, right? But I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, really have we, to know that in order to have we, confidence in that system. Correct. Yeah, we don't have to know that to have confidence in the system yeah. because it's regulated. It's highly regulated, mm -hmm. whereas Tether is completely unregulated. Well, I mean, and it's it's not unregulated, Blake. Right, right. Because to your point, if there are individuals who are buying into crypto using Tether, all of those individuals, or I wouldn't say all of them, but a bulk of them, are doing so via platforms like Coinbase or BlockFi, Kraken, Robinhood. And to get onto those platforms, you have to give over your SSN, driver's license, banking data. And so all of those transactions are overseen by the traditional regulators out there. So this whole idea that crypto is unregulated really is not true. But the te tether is itself. And, and in fact, you know, when you say that, it makes me think that people might have false confidence in something like Tether because they are buying into it via Coinbase. But mm -hmm. when they actually hold Tether, there is no Tether to the US dollar. According to Tether's own terms of service, they reserve the right not to redeem your Tether. So, you know, how is Tether better than a Chuck E. Cheese coin? Because the Chuck E. Cheese Corporation can refuse to redeem my coin for prizes if they want. It's in their terms of service on the back of your ticket. So sure. Sure. what I'm what I'm trying to say is that people have this, people don't know this about Tether. Mm -hmm. I, I think the your, your average crypto investor has absolutely zero clue that Tether is like a dozen people in the Cayman Islands. Actually, who knows where the heck they are? We don't even know who they are. And and they've mm -hmm. never been audited. We don't even know if these funds exist. So when you say they've been more transparent, what do you mean by that? 
Sure. So, so in, so in terms of them being more transparent, I mean, they have been more transparent. They have been trying to be more accurate in how their coins are actually back, right? They have been issuing re reports. Now I know they haven't been audited, but they have been trying to get more data out to the public. And to be honest, they've been also under pressure here in the U S at the U S Congress to try to be more upfront about how they actually do things. But in, in, in terms of this false confidence in this financial instrument, right? I don't think that anybody buying into crypto is doing so with a confidence that, that it's a low risk investment, right? There's a lot of conversation out there, Congress people, bankers, senators, every single day talking about, about how high risk crypto is. So the average crypto investor probably is more well-informed on these issues about how the transactions work than the uh, average person, air quotes, on the street. So I don't, so I don't think that people are going into this with their eyes blindfolded, Blake. Well, but you know, the typical crypto investor is, you know, somebody who signs up for a Bitcoin account and puts a hundred bucks into crypto. Are they doing the research that you're doing? Well, I mean, well, I'm hearing from a friend, they're hearing mm -hmm. from a friend that, oh, this guy made, you know, a hundred times his investment on crypto. I'm going to get in on this action because it seems to be going up. And you know, you, you just you just said for a second ago, like Tether's trying to be more transparent. Give me an example. We you don't even know who they are. Who is Tether? If they're they're like they're with eighty billion dollars, that would make them one of the I think top fifty banks. I believe so. Yeah. And we don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And that's that's okay that we don't know who they are. Well, I mean, I don't really care who the people are. All that I really care about as an investor is is that their financials are are accurate right and also blake they're I not mean, audited the, they're not, they, yeah. their financials are, okay. are unaudited i mean bernie madoff sent people financial statements and people believed him mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. would you you know you trust unaudited financial statements from a company that you don't know well i mean <laughs> this is what i can't wrap my head around not, sure thing no and i mean obviously right there is risk in any emerging asset class crypto is no different if Tether is the poster child, I would agree, right? For not being entirely understandable, or I'd say being able to be trusted by the average investor, retail person trying to get into crypto. But one, I do think that everybody understands that crypto does have risk involved in it. And then two, to your own point, most of these transactions aren't people buying and holding Tether. I have not heard of too many people buying yes, and holding Tether, betting on it to go up, right? It's well, an it on-ramp right? to get the into whole point other is that it's supposed to exactly. be The whole point of Tether is that it is one-to-one link with the US dollar. And so exactly. people will... And, and, then, and then here, Blake, pull yeah. up the, the lifetime price chart of Tether. It's, it's peg to the US dollar has held up pretty darn well. So far... Because so people far. have trusted it. But yep, why? Why do they it. trust it? When you look when you actually look at it, mm-hmm. it doesn't look that trustworthy. It doesn't look like a financial institution. It looks like some people had a good idea for how to make a lot of money. And well, I mean might be that, scamming us. That whole argument c- could honestly be made for any financial instrument, 
right? Most individual investors couldn't read a, a audit anyway, right? And so most investors you know, don't, don't really care, don't really know, don't really understand the full extent of the audit anyway. Now, obviously all of us have an idea as to what an audit is, what it conveys. Audits aren't perfect either, right? I can, I can name five examples right now of major banking institutions had full audits and then ended up having to pay hundred million dollar fines, had to restate earnings. So an audit is no guarantee anyway. Now I do agree. 100%, it sounds like you're right, saying that, that, that like, audits don't audits. matter. Well, I, I, I would not go that far, but I would argue that audits are not the cure all for issues that could pop up with a financial institution. Do you think that but financial institutions should be, do you think that all financial institutions should be audited? See now, Blake, I'm happy. I'm happy you asked that question. What, what I would say is, is that any entity that is going to issue their own stable coin should be classified as a financial institution, as a bank, right? And that if you are going to be yeah. the bank of crypto and operate this way, then in order to do so, um, here in the US, you should have to be chartered as a banking institution and efforts to that goal are underway right now. But here's the problem. Anyone can start a stable coin. Sure. So Tether is not in US jurisdiction. It's not, mm -hmm. we can't control it. We have no mm -hmm. control over Tether other than telling US citizens you can't transact in Tether. So Correct. how do you gain control over stable coins and this market and these financial institutions that are unregulated? Sure. So to answer that is basically the ongoing conversations right now, right? That uh, the Stable Act that was put forward, I think at the end of 2019 or uh, during the first half of 2020 is a step toward that right direction. And that basically that the whole, the political attitude has now shifted that yes, we're going to have stable coins around the chair of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, in his commentary said that yes, there is a, a role and a home for these private stable coins in the US marketplace. But ultimately, right, it all comes down to if they are going to play in the banking space. And also, this is much bigger than just Tether, right? Tether is the poster child, right? But the whole fintech space with all of these firms holding assets, doing banking stuff, but don't have to be held to that same level of compliance as banks. That's the real issue here. Like it's isn't just tether. Tether is an issue, absolutely, but but it's a much broader sort of how do we regulate fintech in a way that one protects investors and consumers, but two helps to encourage innovation. Well, and I agree with you on that. I think it's really important because your average investor doesn't have the time or inclination to go and do this research. And it's up to us as a society to have appropriate regulations in place to protect them. I mean, this is why we have the SEC. This is why we have rules about banks. We have the FDIC to ensure people's deposits. And what's cropping up is this entire unregulated financial industry. And what tends to happen in the past when this has happened, right? History tends to repeat itself. And in the past, yeah. what happened? It, it went up. People got really excited. A lot of people were committing fraud. It was unregulated. We have the whole history of the wildcat banking period in the US, which mm -hmm. is fascinating. Sure. All these unregulated yeah. banks that were issuing currency that wasn't backed. It seems very, very similar. 
to what is happening now. And what happened is a lot of people, a lot of regular people lost their life savings. And I worry, this is why I'm passionate about this. I worry that this is going to be the yeah. thing that causes yeah. the next recession is a crypto crash. No, and because no, and I go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at, and again, go back to Tether, which is the thing that really st stuck in my mind about this with 80. Let's take a look at the trading volume with $40 billion of trading volume in 24 hours. You could mm -hmm. probably say that, you know, Tether is a really important component of crypto markets because it allows people to exit positions to a position of what they perceive to be relative safety. But that's only because they believe that Tether is backed by dollars, when in fact it is not, according to the mm -hmm. terms of service. It might not even have enough assets, right? Like they may not, if there was a run on Tether, they may not be able to uh, replace it. And, you know, that could set in motion a spiral where <clears throat> people then try to exit. They can't exit. They sell, they sell, they sell, they sell, and we get a crash, right? That's mm -hmm. what happens in the past. That's how runs on banks Absolutely. happened in the 1800s and before. So what, what makes us think we're not going to be responsible for that? And I, I just feel like well, CPAs, accountants, we should be pointing this out because we're the ones who actually have the knowledge to understand these complex financial instruments. So I, you know, know me, I, I just, Blake, I mean, I've been out here talking about this, you know, probably, probably at least um, since about 2016 or so. And I'm all about trying to get us educated to help our clients better understand what exactly is happening out here. But yeah, but to answer your, your sort of bigger picture question, right? How is this going to end? Right. And I would say that, yes, there's absolutely a risk of a run on these individual issuers. And then that run could then trigger runs in other commercial paper markets. And yeah, I mean, that's 100% a risk. But the only caveat that I would add there is that all of those risks, and I'm sure you read through the President's Working Group report, white paper that came out back in October, where basically talked about those exact risks, right, of these privately issued stablecoins, talking about Tether mm -hmm. and Circle, calling them out, calling out all of these issues out there. And so, and so now, probably the one thing that I would say that sort of gives me sort of a more optimistic spin on it is that all of these issues, all of these issues, sorry, have been pointed out, ID'd, and are being worked on. Now, hey, now I'm all about trying to get the SEC to move a little faster on these types of issues and the uh, FASB to move on these issues, but they are moving on them and they are aware of them. So, you know, there is no perfect balance, as you know, right, between innovation and regulation. But I would say that, that as the calendar rolls further in, into 22, that the regulators and policy is starting to actually catch up. Let's hope so. I know they tend to move really slow. They tend to react. They tend to react after there's a big problem. And it kind of concerns me that two of the senators on the committee that it regulates cryptocurrency own cryptocurrency. Oh man, like like when I heard you and uh, David bring this up the other day, I was like, man, that's the least of of our problems. Haven't you heard about you all the insider trading? Out of all the oh, insider yeah, I mean, trading. With all the Congress, I mean, so so it is not a crypto specific problem. Come on, but well, it's a it's I mean, an overall it's a much problem. Bigger, yes, right. yeah, it's a much bigger problem. And I'm all about if you're holding elected office, and the policies you are writing are going to impact markets, you absolutely cannot trade. 
even um, even like business anchors on CNBC and on Bloomberg can't actively trade. Why? Right. Why? Because they're interviewing people who have that influence over asset management. Why are politicians different? Yeah. Well, and that, that, that leads me to a question, which is, I'm, I'm curious to know, how much, how much of your personal net worth do you put into cryptocurrency? Sure. So, and I, and I was actually checking this, I guess, earlier, earlier today, because I figured you would ask right now it's about, well, it ranges depending on, on, on each day between 33% and, uh, 40% of your entire net worth. Yeah. That's quite a stake. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a big, it's a big bet. But then, then yeah. here's the question is like, I know that a lot of people out there talking about cryptocurrency and promoting it are heavily invested in it. So how can anyone trust you as an individual, as a CPA, to give them objective advice when if crypto creators, like I think it will and goes to zero, many of them will, you're out all that money. Mm-hmm. And and if it if it goes to the moon, like That's a lot so of crypto enthusiasts want, you'll be mm-hmm. a millionaire or a billionaire. So, so how you know how can we trust you? I'm a nice guy, first of all, Blake. No, but uh, all things. I mean, being, how can we? Uh, tr- and, and not just you. I don't mean to pick on you, Sean. But how can no, we trust fine. any? How can we trust any of the CPAs, influencers out there, pumping up crypto? Well, promoting it when it seems like maybe you're just pumping it up. Well, well, what? Uh, I would say there is that I don't ever promote crypto or pump crypto. You can look at any, any conversation I have. I don't ever pump it. I, I believe in it. I don't ever try to convey that to other people, first of all. And two, if there are influencers like on TikTok promoting their own coin, or there are lots of adults, people in the adult entertainment business now having their own coins and tokens, I mean, that should be taken with a hefty grain of uh, salt, obviously, right? Because all of those people are purely self-interested. But in in terms of how do you trust somebody who has a stake in the industry they are talking about, I mean, then it gets awfully tough to try to analyze who I can trust, right? Anybody who's on a business network talking about stocks, right? You know, they and their company obviously own some shares in that company. Anybody who's commenting on the, the restaurant industry, who's a restaurateur, how do you trust them? I mean, so it's so, I mean, you're trying to sort of pick who to trust. The The only answer that I have is that I always try to find people who are objective and level-headed, one. And two, if they are pushing any one token or any one asset, that's always a big red flag, I think, personally. Okay, that's that's a good point. I do not mean to impugn your integrity as an individual. I just see it as, you know, when you get to the the politicians own the crypto and they control the lawmaking. And then you've got yeah. you've got influencers out there who are saying, like, and you are very reasoned when you speak about it. But there are people out there who, you know, like the CEO of Kraken, who just makes ridiculous statements on television that are completely absurd. And people buy based on that, right? Because they trust him. I just I'm just shake my head. Now, you know, maybe I'm totally wrong, right? Like maybe I am a completely missing the boat and, you know, all you crypto enthusiasts are going to get super rich and I'll just be sitting here. But at least I feel like I'm saying what I see. And actually, I don't invest, I don't have any crypto because like, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about 
bringing the market down with what I say. Not that anyone's listening, not that enough people are listening to this, right? But Oh, come on. Like, you know, I can top-rated just, podcast out there. Yeah, 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 right. Right. So, you know, I guess, well, let's, let's you know, thank you for answering my hard questions. Maybe we can just talk for a moment if you got time about like the future, sure. what you see, because you've sure. obviously bet a lot of your own money. You've put your money where your mouth is and you've bet on crypto. Where do you see it going? And like, give me numbers. Like, you, do you believe that Bitcoin is going to be over a hundred grand, a million dollars a coin, like Kraken CEO is saying? Like, what is the future? Sure. So, so as far as the f- future goes, I mean, I do always try to be as level-headed and objective as I can. Thank you for that. Um, but I would say that sort of echo on your earlier point that I'd say ultimately eighty-five percent to. 90% of these coins and tokens are garbage, right? You know, that they aren't going to be worth That's what I worry about. Years. No, they aren't yeah, going like to be an- worth anything in five years, right? Right. And, and same thing like with NFTs too, right? Like NFTs. All these. Yeah. Right. It's people the, are buying. Yeah. People are buying this shit and it's going to go to zero and like this, it's going to evaporate. Sorry, continue. I don't mean to interrupt. Not a pro- no, no, that's fine. And uh, you and I are probably the right age to be talking about Teletubbies, Pokemon cards, right? There were acid bubbles in those two and they're worth nothing now. Except Pokemon right. cards are still around, man. My I kid know. is playing with Pokemon cards. It's freaking ridiculous. That's never, yeah, I mean, I should have bought some of those 30 years yeah, ago. I, I know, right? So the- <laughs> no, but, uh, but in, but in terms of the future of it and, and I do know that to sort of kick off your show, um, you were saying you were saying that you're very pro blockchain. I am too. I have a Doctor Blockchain polo shirts, Doctor Blockchain hat. You know, I'm very pro blockchain, and so that's where I think most of the enterprise adoption and most of the real tangible applications are going to be. Right for all of us, it could be tracing food, COVID passport documentation, any of those types of things that's in the public that all of us benefit from. A all, that all of us benefit so- from having real time access to what. I, I asked you to talk about the future and you said in the future, we're going to have to have COVID blockchain passports. I come on, man. It's going to be listen, done with. We, <laughs> listen, I'm not no saying that I, that I want it. I will not get political <laughs> here, Blake, but I'm just saying that it's a possibility. Um, I don't even want to think about that, but yeah, I uh, know it's, it's fair. Right. And whatever, yeah. Hey, whatever virus gets released into the world in five years, we can have a passport for that. Right. Exactly. But, oh, but, but and as far as crypto goes, I mean, I do think on the one hand, Bitcoin is head and shoulders above the vast majority of other coins. It's Bitcoin, Ether, and then everyone else. Bitcoin, I think now it's almost kind of boring these days. I don't talk about it as much because it's really become a institutional asset class. Yeah, you know, now it, it, it's an asset class. It's a hedge against inflation, hedge against commodity risk, whatever. So, so that's more of a asset by itself. Now, in terms of where it goes, in terms of being used, that's really, really interesting. I think, and and we could probably do a whole other show on this. This whole idea of central bank digital currency, which is what you were talking about. Yes, yes. Which has some pros oh. and has some serious cons. I have some serious doubts on that whole area just what? i have some serious questions you mean based on right. their track record you're not sure the u.s government can handle creating a cryptocurrency 
Well, I would say that based on their track record, one of their prowess was IT and two of their prowess with, with actually managing finances. I don't know how well that would go. One. <laughs> That's um, a very diplomatic two, way to put it. Yes. I always try to be polite. And two, there, there is always this issue that, I mean, do you want the government and I don't care who's in the White House, right? Do you want the government to have a traceable, permanent record of everything you ever buy now going forward? Probably not. So in an honest most moment. Most people. Yeah, in an I, honest I moment, imagine probably you, not. Well, I mean, even in a, in, a, in a dishonest moment or an honest moment, if you ask, if you polled most Americans, I'm sure the vast majority would say that's a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's what they've got in China now. That's exactly what they have in China. I, yep. It's kind and of amazing to think that the government, the government could, if it wanted to, figure out that you bought a Twinkie at eight twenty-five p.m. last Tuesday from this shop at this specific location. Yep. And then in China, they're also uh, sort of adding that into their whole way of actually grading people with your social score, which in turn influences: Are you able to get a job? get a loan. So, so it really, really is like straight, straight out of George Orwell right there, possibly. That it, it's even more Orwellian than Orwell could have yep. imagined in many yeah. ways, like restricting access to finance with How social engineering. Yep. An but algorithm. Or optimistic note, right? <laughs> I think that yes. all kidding aside, I think stable coins do have a role to play here. Like, I don't know if it's going to be Tether or Circle, but efforts are underway to have these folks be audited. Circle is audited. I mean, so that is going to ultimately sort itself out. I'd say, honestly, yes. I would I would honestly be shocked. I would honestly be shocked if that by the end of 2022, that there is not some more clarity on these issues, right? And so um, I guess and so, the, the takeaway yeah. then for our listeners is uh, to get back to the original point, which is, is sure. <laughs> would, you, would you agree, like, trade your tether for Circle? Um, uh, I don't ever talk about tokens on a individual basis, but I would say if you do have a choice between having a token that's audited and a unaudited token, I would choose the one that's audited. Well, as a CPA, I can attest to that. <laughs> love it. Sean, that's all the time we've got today. I would love to have you back and we can talk about more of the future of this, the, the, coming regulation. Maybe you could keep us updated on that. Um, it's been really a pleasure talking to you. And absolutely. I had a fun, folks, had fun time. If folks want to follow you, you know, online, where's the best place for them to do that? So the two best places to follow me online, and I post constantly on Twitter at Sean Steinsmith. And I'm also on LinkedIn at Sean Steinsmith. Thanks, Sean. Talk to you soon. All right, Blake. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something new. And if you did, wouldn't it be nice to get some CPE credit for it? Well, I've got great news. My new app, Earmark CPE, offers free NASPA-approved CPE credits for listening to podcasts. Visit EarmarkCPE.com to download the app. That's EarmarkCPE.com.